here we are, Conversations for the Animals. Um, I'm Tina Lundquist-Faust, co-president of Houston Pet Set with... Tama Lundquist, also co-president of Houston Pet Set. And? And we're here with Caroline Rose, um, a really interesting, dynamic, um, smart um, uh, guest today. And um, without without sharing too much, we'll let her tell her story. But we're really, really excited to meet you, feel like we're kindred, kindred spirits already, and share a passion for animals, especially dogs. So welcome, Caroline. We're glad to have you. Well, I am incredibly honored to be here. So thank you all. Thank you. Um, Tam and I, I think we're both reading a little bit about you and your story. And for those who don't know you, do you want to just um, introduce kind of how you came to be at this place in your life? Absolutely. I mean, so I'm a three-time uh, cancer survivor of an incurable stage four cancer that I was diagnosed very much out of the blue. I was a big marathon runner, triathlete. I was uh, training to climb Mount Kilimanjaro when I was diagnosed really. And so it was a shock. And then to hear it was incurable and that no matter what we did, it would just sort of continue to come back. It was that you know journey with my health and my cancer really sort of fed my message of hope that I love to share. Um, because I've been in remission for 11 years wow. and it was quite a road and it was a whole, as you can imagine, and it wasn't pretty and it was very difficult, but you know, I'm here and I have two children, uh, that are 11 and 13. I should say human children, because mm -hmm. I always say I have four children, two fur babies and two humans. And, you know, I think that I was told I could never have kids and I do. So there's a real message of hope that I have, I think the interesting thing and why I'm so excited to be talking to y'all specifically is the twist on my story is I knew I had a story, but I never wanted to go out and talk about my cancer experience because we all have struggle in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. We all have a story. They're all interesting, but it wasn't about me really. But what happened is after my first diagnosis, I was in this very odd stage of living in wait. I was waiting for my cancer to come back. I just didn't know when. And I had just gotten married. I wasn't able to go back to school or work. And so I didn't know what to do with myself. And what happened is I found this rescue dog. Oh. And there is no reason that we should have come together because he had been so abused, so horrifically abused. He was being put down. We were living in this little rental in Santa Monica. And our landlord was from New Jersey. It was terrified of him. And the, the top of our lease, it was no dogs allowed. And so I called my husband and I said, I don't know why, but I was sitting here at home. I was sad. I was lonely. And I Googled rescue dogs, Los Angeles. And I'm scrolling through these, these dogs. And I stopped on this dog. His name was Riley. And his eyes, it was just the look in his eyes. And it wasn't even a sadness. It was a hope. It was a hope. It was a hopeful look in his eye. And he was this 11-month-old Great Dane Lab mix. He had burn marks all over his body. He was emaciated. And I called my husband and I said, I'm going to get this dog today. And I had to get him that day because he didn't have a lot of time left. And I did. And I brought this dog home. And he did not trust me. He did not trust anyone but he didn't trust out of fear. It wasn't, he was never aggressive. He was never mean. 
And after what I later found out the humans had done to him, that dog had no reason to ever trust again, Mm -hmm. but it took about two weeks. And it, as most labs, it happened over food. We had our big breakthrough over steak. (laughs) 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 was cooking steak and I cut a piece because he kind of crept into the kitchen and I gave him a piece of his steak. And for the first time I saw his tail start to wag a little bit. And I was so excited. I just gave him the rest of my husband's steak, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And so once, you know, once it, it clicked, it clicked and we ended up having this incredible journey together. And, you know, I saved him technically, but he saved me. I mean, that dog absolutely became my rock. And he, gave me, has given me the courage to speak out on our story together, you know, because his life, he passed four and a half years ago. His life was so much bigger than his life. He was so magical and touched so many lives. And it took me a little while after he passed to understand the magnitude of his love and people, these cards we'd be receiving from people that I didn't even know knew Riley. People from the dry cleaners were writing us how much they loved this dog, what they did for him. Kids from the preschool who used to rub his head in the mornings before they walked in for courage, you know. Um, It was incredible. And I just thought this dog, our story together, that's worth sharing. That's worth getting this message out. And it has led to really where I am today, um, you know, speaking to big groups and writing and the book I have coming out is called Dear Riley Rose. And it's really a love story, a love letter to him and really thanking him for what he did for me and for my kids and for so many others that I'll never even know. Yeah. They, they give so much and they ask for so little in return. Their magic is just innate, isn't it? And it's, it's, it's not anything you can teach or you can groom or you can impart or instill. It just is, you know, and you know, the spelling, I I know I saw that on your website um, and we've all seen it, but dog is God spelled backward. And it's not by accident. It's not by accident because it's the closest thing. I think we know to a spiritual um, being on this earth. Just the way that they love, forgive. You know, they don't even have to forgive because they never even, they don't hold a grudge. They don't get mad. They don't get mad. And that was such a lesson to me, I think, that if Riley could live in this way where he he wasn't bitter, angry, you know, and he he was uh, uh, trusted again, you know, that was such a lesson to me in sort of my big struggle post-cancer has been to trust life again, you know, because you're so fearful that something's going to happen or, you know, once you've had it happen in whatever form, whether it's that dreaded phone call or a diagnosis or whatever it is, you're, you're scared, you know? Mm -hmm. And I always think about Riley that he could do it. And I watched him do it every single day. And, you know, I think, especially once I became a mom, I really struggled for a very long time and still do with side effects, not feeling well, just, you know, things that I still try to manage. And as a mom, I, you know, I want to be there for my kids. I'm very honest with my kids, but I'm not going to just, you know, roll over and say in bed if I don't have to. Mm. So I try to be okay. And I know what I've put my family through and my friends through for many years, a lot of worry. They've been there and helped me through so much. I want to be okay for everybody, Mm. but there are times where I just need to be not great. Mm -hmm. And I need to be tired or grumpy or whatever it is. Riley was that place for me. You know, I could get the kids out the door to school 
my husband to work and I could come home and I could get in bed with that dog, he would be by my side happily. Actually, I think it was his favorite thing to do. And I didn't have to talk. I could cry. I could be whatever I needed to be. And he allowed me to be that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how desperately I needed it until I had it. And I realized like, I think dogs, that their love fills in those cracks that we have in our hearts because as humans, we're imperfect. We try very hard, but we mess up and we hurt each other. So we get those cracks and that's just what life is. But that's what I think dogs do is they just fill those cracks and they make our heart whole. I think there's almost scientific evidence, uh, in, at least in for me, there is because, and I'm not saying this for the medical world because I'm in no way qualified to do that, but if you think about things in, in terms of um, frequencies, you know, everything has a frequency, and so we vibrate at a certain frequency, and I've said this before, so sorry listeners and everybody, but we vibrate at a certain frequency, and animals, dogs vibrate at a higher frequency, and I think horses vibrate at even higher frequency, and and dolphins, people like swimming with dolphins because they're at such a high level, high, high frequency, so what you're talking about, filling the cracks, they might actually be healing us when we're around them. I know when I was going through my divorce, horrible time in my life, horrible, and um, anxiety, and I'd never had anxiety, and um, awake all night long, and just can't wait till the sun comes up, because then the rest of the world would be up, and I wouldn't be so alone. And, um, you know, my dog helped me get through that so much. But he at that time was um, having his own panic attacks. I didn't, I wasn't having panic attacks, but my dog actually was. And I didn't know what they were, except he would be screaming. And I grabbed him and drove a hundred miles an hour on a city street to get him to the, the vet the first time. And they couldn't figure out what it was, but he was probably just feeling and taking on my pain as his own. And then he had to metabolize it in some way. And so it happened a couple of times, but I just think that what you're saying is is um, so valuable to what we do because in Houston we look at these we talk about these animals they have so much value to us right I mean they're healing us they're making us sane they're emotional and physical healers but um, yet in Houston we have hundreds of thousands of these healers these magical creatures on our streets and they're deemed a nuisance. And so we've got to get this message out, which is why we're so glad you're here today to get this message out that it's okay to use these animals. That's what they're here for. And they have that sense of purpose. I felt so guilty about my dog. You know, like I talked to a vet and I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. How can I protect him from this? And um, she said, no, that's his job. He's Mm -hmm. here to, he feels worthy when he's here serving you. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, he's been serving me for a good 16 years now, you know? Um, yeah, just, and, and nothing, like you said, nothing you can really put your put your finger on, but you know it's there. Once you experience it and you're open to it, you know it's there. And I think rescue dogs especially, you know, yes. I think that they, I always joke that, you know, when you open the front door with a breeder dog, they are kind of out, <laughs> wanting to go check it out. You open the door with a rescue dog and they're like, no, no, no. Yeah, I've been out there. <laughs> done that we are really happy and there's this gratitude this insane gratitude that that's where they operate they operate from that gratitude and so they are so willing to your point and eager to take it all on they want to Mm. they they are they were so happy to and that's the hardest part you know when when I had to let Riley go it was this feeling of 
I don't think I can do this without you because I always called him my emotional armor and I knew I was going to feel everything so much, um, you know, greater without him. But I also know that he knew it was time. I was, Mm -hmm. I could do it, you know, but it was, they do that for us. And it was an incredible gift. We had um, this, on this topic, one of my favorite stories with Riley was, he became a service dog for me. And we, um, when my kids were little and we lived in Los Angeles, we went to Disneyland and Riley loved going with us because he loved seeing everything. And we were waiting in line one morning and um, for the gates to open and Riley was kind of on the ground and my kids were excited. And there was this noise behind me of this mom. And it was almost sort of like a little sob. And I turned around and her son was kneeling down beside Riley and he just had his hand on his back. And she was very emotional because she said, my son is autistic and he's terrified of animals, absolutely terrified. And it's been a, a thing we've been working on, you know, and we've really been helping him conquer many fears in life that animals is one specifically we've been working on. And we've never seen him even want to get close to an animal, but he wanted to come stand in line behind y'all. And I just cannot believe he's touching your dog. Mm. And we're talking. And then I hear her really start to sob. And I just glance down. And while we've been talking, this little boy had spread his whole body across Riley and was just, and it was the most incredible thing. And she is just, and she just, I hope you know how special that dog is. And I'm thinking, I do, but I don't know if I'll ever really know, you know, and, and I think there are many dogs that have that, you know, just give them the chance to live and give them a chance to be in this world. Right. Yeah. It it reminds me of Sunny. Yeah. Tama's um, pit bull that we found in a ditch in one of the worst neighborhoods in, in Houston. And, you know, he had been shot and lived on the streets and it was 32 and raining the day that we found him. And he just looked hopeless, truly hopeless. Didn't even lift his head when we saw him. And now, you know, he's going to juvenile detention centers and interacting with boys and giving them hope. So to Tama's point earlier, this thing that we deem in not without having value, that's a nuisance in our society, that's um, just a, a, a pain in everybody's, you know, what's to manage and to, you know, they're not. They're this, they're this beautiful, magical creature, and we continue to push that message because once people understand that, then all this work that goes into rescue, into saving animals and protecting them goes away. Once people mm-hmm. recognize the value of them, they make us better. They make us better as a, as a society, and mm-hmm. um, we're not we're not doing right by them in these large towns. We're just not in in Houston, probably San Antonio. You know, all across the South, we're not treating animals the way that they were meant to be treated, and that's that's part of our journey and part of our work. And what inspires us are these you know animals that um, that give and give and give. Yeah. Well, you guys are the most. When I was heard about y'all and I started reading about you guys. I think there are angels that are dogs, but I think there are angels that are humans. And I think that what y'all do for so many dogs and in turn, so many humans is so beyond incredible. And I think that um, one day when I was laying in bed with Riley years ago, I wrote a letter to the lady who founded the dog rescue in Los Angeles, where I found Riley. 
And I realized I'd never thanked her. You know, she had no idea this love story that we had because there's so many dogs, there's no way to keep track of all of them. And it, you know, I had not followed up and I wrote her this letter and I would actually give y'all the same letter and you can fill in any human name, any dog name in those blanks, because when you give an animal and in turn a human that gift, you change human lives and you save yeah. these precious souls that are so in need of saving. And it is not an easy job. I know that I've never done what y'all have done, but I have a good friend who has dabbled in it and it is, it is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> and I can't thank y'all enough because without people like you, I would never have Riley. Mm. I know so many other people would listen to this and be right behind me saying the same thing and what y'all do. There's a special place in heaven and I just cannot thank y'all enough. Thank you. Thank you. And we, we always um, thank those that are doing the really difficult work in the trenches. We've had to step away a little bit and get more strategic about what we're doing, but there are those that we work with every day that are in the streets at the shelters um, you know, in the ditches, picking up dogs, risking their lives, sacrificing vacations, um, paying for this out of their own checkbooks and wallets. And, and it's to them, we, we think, because what would our city look like without yeah. them? They're the, the real heroes, the ones that, that are rescuing those dogs and cats every single day. And so we always want to thank them and recognize them because they're, they're so selfless. You don't know the majority of them. You'll never know their names. You'll never know what they do. They do right. it for the love of the animals. Yeah. And so we're. And blessed. I have to imagine at times they feel discouraged and that they can't save them all. You know, yeah. I, I helped a little bit in Los Angeles. I remember going to the shelters to pull the dogs and seeing how many I couldn't take. Mm. And, but I think to know the difference they make in those that they can help, that mm-hmm. is just yeah. everything. And, you know. The, the dream is to not have to leave any behind and that they make such a difference and y'all make such a difference and it really, really changes lives. It does change lives. It, it, it's very personal. It's very, you know, um, the ripple effect that these animals have on us. Like think of, we wouldn't have met Caroline, you know, had it not been for your Riley and, um, and the ripple effect of who he impacted really can't be measured. You don't know, but gosh, it's, it's so deep and wide and all of the animals here. And you think of the tens of literally hundreds of thousands of dogs that have gone from Houston streets where they would otherwise be euthanized or die on the streets. And because of these rescue groups that we're, we're helping to support with our fundraiser on September the 10th, but you know, with these groups, um, saving hundreds of thousands of animals. And then these animals go to great homes. They bring the love that you also experienced with Riley. So the ripple effect of what's of what's going on is tremendous. And we can't imagine what our city streets would look like. I mean, we would yes. literally, literally be putting these animals to sleep or um, or letting them die on the streets without the, the tens of thousands of, of volunteers in Houston at this moment doing this work that really is the city and the county's job, but we can't stand to see the suffering. You know, there's too many private citizens who, like you, see the value in these animals and they have to do something because you can't not. I think sometimes what we do is actually selfish because I can't not do this work because I know that when I see something horrible, if I can't do something, 
it's going to make me feel horrible even more. But if you can try to help, there's that hope, you know, and I think I love that you talk about hope and it's really important for our whole world right now. But, um, but especially in Houston to have that hope because the streets are worse than ever. These rescue groups are so exhausted, but you know, you have a good message and we thank you for that. There is hope. And if you can have your miracles, you know, maybe Houston and the animals can have their miracle too. And, and next year, this is going to look like a different story. Maybe. Yes. I absolutely agree with you. And I would add to, you know, I've seen from my kids, the value that Riley and, you know, other friends that met Riley who then rescued dogs with their kids has had. And there is so much anxiety right now in these kids and just the world and even just silly things they deal with like social media. And I always see my kids go back to the dogs. I always see my kids go back. Mm -hmm. That's their center, their peace, how they are grounded. It feeds them. So it's, Mm -hmm. yes, it was for us, but you know, I think seeing it from the kid's perspective adds even more value to these precious beings, you know, and, and the healing they can give to our kids or, you know, just so many different humans that besides ourselves, I think, you know, for anyone considering doing it, who's not quite sure if they're able to really be a good family, think that for the kids and the value mm-hmm. they add, they would be amazed at the difference it would make. Mm-hmm. Right. So true. I think the, um, I think having a dog when I was raising my son um, made such a difference because there were all those unspoken messages that he got just by by watching what the dog was doing, how was the dog responding? What were his character? What was his character like? And you know, children learn through mostly through observation and not through not through being told things. So his observation of how the dogs are in our world um, yeah. is really that the great lessons. It's so much easier than me trying to teach him. You know, I mean, the dog is so much better than me. So it offsets yeah. all of my faults. And um, yeah, I couldn't imagine a better partner to raise a child with than a dog. You're right. I never thought about it. It's that modeling that unconditional love mm-hmm. and that forgiveness and, and kind of living in the moment, you yeah. know, how dogs live and just that ability to just be present right here, right mm-hmm. now. We're together. Life is good. Yeah. Lesson. That's a good, yeah, that's so true. Caroline, um, in your journey and with this um, message of hope, who, who do you share that with? Like, where are you taking this? Is it, is it nationwide? I mean, how are you kind of sharing your and Riley's journey? I am. I started speaking when I lived in Los Angeles, the city of hope. Um, mm-hmm. And that was sort of my little getting into the public speaking arena. And uh, it was pretty amazing. Riley was actually still alive when I started doing it. And he actually came with me some and, and was in some of the marketing promotional things. They just loved him. You know, everyone seemed to. And um, he passed and I kind of kept it going um, in different ways. And it just grew. I think my favorite part is talking to the audience members afterwards. And I always have Riley is such a huge part of everything I do and say, and they all relate to him and they relate to the message of hope. And so I really saw that was, that was the message. And I've just taken it and the groups have just grown and it's been incredible. It's my favorite thing to do. Um, And then it ended up where I was writing and it ended up being this book to Riley. Everyone, Mm -hmm. when I started writing said, that's it, you go, that's your book. Wow. And someone uh, that I took the book to said, this is it. And your letters, your title is Dear Riley Rose. Mm -hmm. And so it's, 
amazing. He has emerged on top (laughs) without, no matter what I do, if I spoke for 20 minutes, the Riley piece is always the part everyone wants to hear more about, or that's the part you got to go. And I think it's just because it's so heartfelt, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's where the, the, the really heartwarming part of the story is, you know, because I don't want to focus on the suffering. Everyone knows suffering. We've all been there. I want to focus on what brought me out of it, what Mm -hmm. brought me through and the life that he ended up having, you know, once I was able to rehabilitate him, then very quickly after that, he rehabilitated me. And that was his life's work was just being there for me. And the day I left to go inpatient for about two months, I had two bone marrow transplants. My second transplant, I had, my son was five weeks and my daughter was two when I was diagnosed that third time. So I literally had babies and I remember leaving and I wasn't sure if I was coming back. I had a 40% chance of not making it. And I was so terrified that I couldn't even let myself begin to think of that. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know how to say goodbye. And I'd been told by a very wonderful child psychologist, never tell your kids anything, never promise them what you can't deliver. So I couldn't tell my daughter, I will be back in. I didn't know if I was coming back. So I was trying to stay truthful to her and I was trying to figure out how I was going to do this. And she gave me this hug goodbye. And she said, mom, who's going to have tea parties with me? Mm. And I didn't know what to say. And she said, oh, I forgot. Riley will. And she turned around and she hugged that dog. And she, and that was my, I could leave. And I knew Riley had her and he had her. He literally had her. And I got back and that poor dog had brightly painted paw nails. He had more, had more tea parties than any dog should have had, but he did that for her. And for me, happily, that's what yeah. he did. And that made for her, it was like a playmate, a sibling. Uh, it was her comfort, her, because he was so steady mm-hmm. and unconditional. And, you know, that's the message that just it's so uplifting. And so I think everyone relates to it, even not animal lovers. I always joke, Riley converted so many non-animal lovers. <laughs> <laughs> they all have them now, cats, dogs, you name it, Parrot, you know, and, and it's just, once you see it, when you get a glimpse of that, right. you can't not have it in your life, you know? Right. And if that has helped people to take a risk on rescuing an animal, that's, that's it right there. If it, ha- if it saves one animal, yeah, yeah. then I will keep talking all day long, all day long. That's the all way. day long. Yeah. I think that's of beautiful. the irony. And, you know, as you were talking about Riley, I was picturing him in his worst state and how he got that way. And so that was probably a human being who did that. And can you imagine if that human being could recognize how beautiful Riley is. I, I, I think people hurt other people because they are hurt. They yes. are hurting. And so obviously somebody must, unless there was some severe psychosis, that person who hurt him was hurting. And yes. if they had just recognized how Riley could heal them, you know, that changes everything. And, yeah. you know, I'm wondering, just wondering if you ever get the, if we ever get the opportunity to gather mm-hmm. all of these people, these incarcerated people for hurting animals, you know, we have a t- help start a task force. We really push for animal cruelty, um, uh, legislation and prosecution. But what if we were to talk to these people and if they could see 
see the opposite of what they believe and what they're doing and how they're living. We, you know, because dog, they, they hurt dogs, but you know there's a 70 to 90% chance they're going to go on to hurt people. They're going to go on to hurt children. Any, any vulnerable population as they're acting out their pain. They're infic- inflicting pain on others. So how do you, how do you short circuit that, I guess, and, and use these animals in that moment? I, I'm not sure, but it's just a thought. I would love, if you ever go for it, I would count me in on helping. Yeah. That. Well, and I think it's happening with right. healing species yes, and other organizations sure. are doing just that. They're mm-hmm. using animals to break down kind of the walls that children build to protect themselves and people build to protect themselves. So they're using dogs in prisons, rescue dogs in prisons mm-hmm. too. But to your point, if, if you could get it before things go south, before people that make be- really bad choices, yeah. Um, it would be even better. Mm-hmm. It would be better. That would be incredible. Yeah. It was it was actually pretty uncanny. I actually found out what happened to Riley before. He was a very unusual dog. He was so big. He looked just like an absolutely ginormous yellow lab. I think that was the Great Dane is, size. Is he and in the photo behind you? He is. This is Riley. Oh. Yes. Yes. And these are his ashes. Oh. <laughs> I always keep them right here with yeah. me. But he... Um, he came with the name Riley and he had this very distinct collar and that I had never changed. And we were, once he could walk, I mean, he could barely walk when he came to me. Um, I started taking him to the beach very early in the morning. He loved his tennis ball. And that's what I knew. And I would toss it just a few feet in the waves and he could sort of get it. And then as the weeks went a little further, a little further, and the swimming really helped. Then we kind of went to the dog park and then we started months later we went hiking and and we were on this hike in Los Angeles and this this lady stopped and she said is that Riley and I said how do you know this dog and she said did you get him from well yes this is how do you know this dog and she said her boyfriend had been part of an undercover investigation in a pet store in the Beverly Center and Riley was one of the dogs on the videotape that it actually they had been um I guess a judge had allowed the undercover surveillance and they had been, the pet store had been shut down and all of the necessary people had been prosecuted, that the burn marks were from after hours. I don't know who, but the hair drying grooming hoses and burned him through the cages. And they were taking the puppies and the animals that were not selling and putting them in the back dumpster behind the mall and then putting the trash on top. So they were shut down. They all went to prison, whatever it was, but Riley was in court on the videos of the proof that this was all happening. So it was really an incredible way to hear. And she was just, you know, she was bawling. She just couldn't believe this dog. And, and I don't know what happened to all the other animals, but it was, um, I think it was hopefully more light is being shed on, on this, the the way that they're being treated. Yes. The pet, the pet stores. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad you said that because there might be some good breeders out there and we're not totally opposed to, to, to responsible breeding, but the pet stores, the likelihood of those coming from good breeders is probably, there's probably a uh, less than 1% chance that they're coming from. So do not buy your dogs from pet stores. This is what you're supporting. You're not rescuing those dogs. You're not just buying um, merchandise. You are supporting an industry that hurts animals. And gosh, it's organized crime. Yeah, it is against animals. So that's a good point. I've heard people say, well, I got this dog from a pet sports store, so I rescued them. And I think, well, 
<laughs> it's still perpetuating this cycle. Yeah, right. It's still supporting it no matter how you look at it. Unfortunately, those animals are there, but that just the whole thing has to, it's just. If yeah. you want to help animals in a pet store, reach out to your legislator, reach out to your um, your, con- or your congressman, reach out to your city council members and ask them to only allow rescue animals in pet stores. That's how you help animals in yeah. pet stores. You don't buy them. You don't purchase them. You don't, you're never rescuing them. Especially when we have such a surplus. And I hate to use that term because they're, they're souls, but we do have a surplus of animals. So if we're, if we're breeding a million dogs a year, but we're euthanizing a million dogs a year, there's not another industry that does that. You don't throw perfectly good oranges in the trash just so you can, you can make more and make money. I mean, it just, it doesn't make sense. So until we get a grip on this, on the the overpopulation of animals, our fault, humans' fault, not the dog's fault, but right. until we get a grip on that, yes, please rescue, 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 rescue. Adopt, don't shop. Adopt and rescue. And another, I've found rescue dogs to be oddly most of the time healthier. You know, <laughs> yes. right. they are sturdy and hard and really, you know, I mean, from a medical standpoint, they're yeah. probably healthy and people think it's just the opposite and it's not tam and i have both have bred have had bred dogs that Mm -hmm. they were our first dogs um Mm -hmm. we just didn't know about rescuing a purebred and both had severe um mine especially had severe health issues and had he not been my dog i don't think he would have lived 17 years because his his protocol for keeping him healthy was arduous. It was a full-time job. I'll and attest now, to that. I babysat. <laughs> it's like, I have a child. He's half the amount of work. <laughs> and now we've got, I've got two, two rescue dogs and they're like, they eat whatever, they do whatever. They don't have to go to the vet every quarter. I mean, it's, it's a breeze. And, and so, when you open the front door, they won't they run out. don't. I was going to tell that story. I leave my front door open and both dogs sit at the threshold no matter what I'm doing. They yeah. just sit there like, yep, yeah, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> and Taz, your bread dog, who really is the inspiration. And my Sammy Sam was my inspiration. He's the one I talked about that helped me through divorce and, and lots of things. But they were our inspiration so for doing this work. But that... Uh, little Taz Mraz, you know, you'd open the door, that guy would be gone. We have story after story. I had to rescue him out of a mud puddle one time and uh, he got loose from me and ran into my neighbor's house and she's having this dinner party. Anyway, it's kind of funny in this white dining room and he decides he's going to get some of that mud off and shakes and I'm in my pajamas and I'm like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. But this little Taz, you know, he owned the world. He, he knew, he knew mommy would come and find him, but the rescue dogs are like, I'm just staying here just in case, just in case. Yeah, I've been there, done that. It's not that good out there. It's not greener. (laughs) Right here. Yeah. Well, tell yeah. us the name of your, uh, it, the name of your book again. Is Dear yes, Riley Rose? Dear Riley yes. Rose. And is it on the is it on process the process of being published right now, which is oh, very exciting. I'm so, so excited to read yes, it. Let us know if you want a book signing in Houston. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. I would okay. love that. Be great and I would for love you to, to get help your... out with yeah. all events y'all are doing. Yeah. Anything I can do to help, I just. Well, we would love for you to tell your message of hope and how this rescue dog that was so abused. Yes. Was gave you so much hope because more than anything, you know, if we don't have hope, there's no reason. And right. um, it's important right. to, to share that message, especially as it feels like, you know, the days get a little darker and we all get a little more fearful. 
Um, there's nothing like that, that magic and that moment where we can wrap our arms around our dogs and everything's okay in that moment. And that's what they teach us. Everything but is they, okay right now. Because that's all those dogs that are on the streets have right now. Yep. So that's all they have. Yeah, you're right. And it, you know, you find them, you bring them home and that's all they give you is that hope. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that hope. Yeah. It's that yeah. simple. It really is. Caroline, thank you so much for telling your story about you and Riley sharing your hope. And um, I know that this isn't the last time we'll talk. I know that we'll probably be in touch very soon because it feels like we could talk forever. But thank you for everything you do and for what you do for animals and for people. Thank you, Mm -hmm. Caroline. It's very selfless of you to share your story. Sometimes it's painful to recount those stories, but the fact that you do it um, to give other people hope. Um, I I read some some of the stories of people being so grateful to you for you giving them hope. So thank you for everything you do. You, you also deserve that little angel award that you talked about earlier. So thank you. Thank you all so much. Okay. Bye. And Oh, who's your little, okay. We could hear him snoring earlier. Axel. Is Axel still here? Yes. He's under my. (laughs) Tell Axel we said hello. Oh my gosh. I hope it wasn't too distracting. No, I loved it. Again, it's comforting. It's so comforting. It's why we do what we do. Sleeps wrapped around my head. And my husband is like, how do you sleep like that? I'm like, babe, it is like the most comforting, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it just lulls me to sleep. And if I don't have them, it's very, you know, oh, I just love it. I just love it. So, well, I really would love to help y'all in every way I can. Truly, truly, truly. Thank, Thank you, Caroline. You. We'll be in so touch. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye.